Just Cheesy the Podcast, presented by Just Cheesy Productions. Hi there, I'm your host, Fondue. In this week's episode, we're going to be talking about a rebellion from the 1400s. We're talking World War I, World War II, the Korean War. We're going to discuss a conflict in Oregon. We're going to talk about Limburger and the threat of a duel. And of course, we're going to tell a very cheesy joke. Stay tuned for episode 78, War and Cheese, on Just Cheesy, the podcast. According to the blog artinspace.blogspot.com, there's an article that discusses the bread and cheese rebellion in Holland in 1491 to 1492. The name of the rebellion came from the emblems on the rebel banners. Interesting. They were fighting because there was a tax increase, an economic crisis, and a food shortage. Ultimately, the rebels were defeated, they were executed, and the cities that supported them were stripped of their city walls and had garrisons installed. According to vinepair.com, During World War I, the French gave a daily ration to their soldiers that included one camembert cheese and 25 centiliters of red wine. Wine? That's true, they did get wine, but 25 centiliters is around the equivalent of one U.S. cup. Oh, okay. And while getting a cup of wine sounds fancy, it was actually quite practical. Really? See, water could be contaminated during those times. Oh. And having bottled wine was actually much safer for the soldiers to drink. Oh, good. The French winemakers were primarily making red wine. They had new varieties available, and they were seeing a high yield, so they donated their surplus to the soldiers. Nice. And by the end of World War I, the rations were up to 75 centiliters. The addition of the wine in the rations was likely to have boosted morale in the field. <laughs> yeah. And even well after World War I, the pairing of red wine and camembert persists to this day. Yum. Did you know that during World War I in the U.S. there were rations on food? There were. According to thefoodhistorian.com, there's a pretty famous poster that urges Americans to eat more cottage cheese and you'll need less meat. The poster goes on to compare protein pound for pound against cottage cheese. They compare the protein values of a pound of beef, a pound of pork, a pound of lamb, a pound of veal, or a pound of fowl or chicken. chicken. And according to the article, one of the reasons they were trying to do this was because most of the unaged cheeses spoil very quickly. For example, cheeses like ricotta, mascarpone, cream cheese, feta, mozzarella, and goat. There's even a cookbook that was published in 1918 by the United States Department of Agriculture. And it was called Cottage Cheese Dishes, Economical, Wholesome, Delicious. Yum. If you recall, in Season 1, Episode 19, we talked about World War II and how the U.S. government helped invent Cheetos. Oh, yeah. During the war, scientists were desperately trying to figure out a way to increase the shelf life of certain foods. Oh. Dehydrating foods was all the rage. Yeah. They figured out a way to dehydrate cheese into a powder, Ooh. and that powder was used in K-rations during World War II. Ooh. Check out Season 1, Episode 19, which is linked in our show notes this week. Yeah, check it out. Cheetos, not a sponsor. But if they were, the ad would go right here. 
Have you ever wanted to listen to the web? Yeah. Well, Newsly makes that possible. They do? They're an all-in-one audio super app for iOS and Android. Super app. You can listen to trending articles on the web on topics that you choose and get them read to you in a natural human voice. What kind of topics? Sports, cheese? tech, business, cheese? science. Cheese? I'm sure there's even cheese. They even have an entire section for podcasts. Are we there? Of course we are. Ooh. It's one of my new favorite podcast apps. They even have digital radio. Holy cow. Just go to www.newsly.me to download it free. Whoa. Or use the link in the description. If you use the promo code CHEESY, Cheesy. that'll get you one month free premium subscription. Yay, Newsly. Now, back to the podcast. There's a notion out there that the eastern part of the world doesn't actually enjoy a lot of cheese. Oh, no. But this is not the case in Korea. Oh. On June 25th, 1950, North Korea invaded South Korea. Oh. On June 27th, the United States joined the war on the side of the South Koreans. Okay. According to bcgusto.wordpress.com, Food was extremely scarce due to rations and devastating conflict. Oh, no. There were quite a few U.S. military camps across South Korea. Okay. And a lot of the poor villagers living near the U.S. camps would smuggle American rations, make stew, or anything else they could think of. Of course. And now in this episode, I get to butcher some Korean words. Oh, no, Fondue. I mean, I've done French and Dutch yeah. and German. Why not? <laughs> oh, no. Buddha Chike sure. is army-based stew. Sure it is. This was a stew containing Spam, Ooh. hot dogs, vegetables, and spicy seasoning. Interesting. And of course, American cheese. Mm. Or specifically, they say here, American slices of mozzarella cheese. Oh. And while the war is technically not over, it's been in a stalemate for about 70 years. Cheese has remained in South Korea. Ooh, good. It's also found in some Korean classics such as dokbokki oh, no. and dokgalbi. Oh, geez. As always, I am so sorry. Yeah. According to osupress.oregonstate.edu, there's a book called Cheese War. Oh. This particular war took place in Oregon, specifically in Tillamook County. Ooh. In the 1960s, B.L. Dixon and George Milne started a decades-long fight. Oh, boy. The war included secrets, lies, spies, oh, no. a shoving match, and a death threat. Oh, my. The book is written by two sisters who were impacted as children of the Cheese War. Oh, no. Check out the book. It's an interesting read. Yeah. One of the most interesting cheese wars was the Great Cheese War of 1935. Ooh. On a website called jimcofer.com, in an article by Jim Kofer, yeah. this particular war started over a sinus infection. What? In 1935, a doctor in Independence, Iowa, saw a woman with sinus issues. Okay. And this doctor prescribed... Something interesting. Okay. He wanted his patient to use some Limburger cheese what? to open up her nasal passages. Oh, my. And according to the article, she placed an order with a cheesemaker in Monroe, Wisconsin. Of course. John Burkhardt, the Monroe postmaster, approved the shipment okay. and the cheese was on its way. Yeah. But the mail carrier in Independence hated the smell so much that he wouldn't deliver the cheese. Oh, no. And apparently at the time, there was a rule by the post office prohibiting mailing of, I quote, foul-smelling goods. Oh, no. So the carrier went back to the postmaster, okay. Warren Miller, sure. who agreed to send it back to Wisconsin. Oh, boy. Now remember, John Burkhardt from Monroe, Wisconsin, well, he got that cheese back. Uh-oh. And apparently he took it personally that the cheese was sent back. 
Uh-oh. I mean, being Wisconsin and all, you can't just send cheese back to Wisconsin. Right. In fact, he was so upset that he wrote a letter to James A. Farley, the Postmaster General of the entire United States. Holy cow. This guy, Farley, didn't think there was a problem, yeah. so he had Burkhardt, the guy from Wisconsin, send a sample of the cheese to him okay. using the same type of package that sure. he used to send the cheese to Iowa. Sure. The U.S. Postmaster Farley got the package, okay. smelled it, thought it smelled pretty bad, yeah. but he also recognized that it was in no way hazardous. Sure. So it should have been delivered. Right. But apparently Miller, the guy from Iowa still refused to deliver the cheese. What? Of course, at this point, the media got involved. Of course they did. Burkhart from Wisconsin challenged Miller from Iowa to a cheese duel. <laughs> okay. Okay, so Wisconsin Burkhart and Miller would sit at a table. Okay. And if Burkhart could cut a piece of Limburger cheese and Miller would not basically throw up or retch, of course. then Miller would be forbidden from complaining about Wisconsin and the cheese Forever. Okay. So Miller agreed, and they met at the Julian Hotel in Dubuque, Iowa, on March 8th, 1935. Wow. Both of the men brought an entourage who supported them as they oh tried to do this cheese duel. Oh, brother. And according to the article, Burkhardt opened a wooden box, okay. unwrapped a chunk of Limburger. Sure. He claimed nothing on earth went better with beer than Limburger. <laughs> Yum. And it supposedly had a lot of medicinal properties. Uh, okay. And he even offered Miller a gas mask or a clothespin before cutting the cheese. Oh, wow. But in a giant twist, wow. Miller, of course, refused the gas mask and the clothespin. Really? And seconds before Burkhart pushed the cheese toward him, he quietly admitted that he'd lost his sense of smell years before. Holy cow. This is why he took the mail carrier's word for it when yeah. he complained about the first Limburger package. Wow. Wisconsin Burkhardt won, and Miller had to deliver the package. I'm ready for a joke, Fondue. Okay. Why did the cheese go to war? I don't know. To get a slice of the action. Oh my gosh, no, that's not even funny. I know, it, it was bad, but yeah. it was a little bit cheesy. Thanks for listening to Just Cheesy the Podcast. Thank you. Episode 78, War and Cheese. We're so happy that you listen to us every week. Yeah. And we'd love it if you could rate us, review us, or subscribe Thanks. on any of your favorite players. Yeah, stay cheesy, everybody.